Oh, the, the best part of that video is you didn't know whether to take it serious or not, but it is hilarious. I think that's the best video you guys have done. How many of you guys want Josiah to bring back the turtleneck? Uh, yeah. Man. I almost wore it today. You almost. make turtlenecks look beautiful. <laughs> hey, my name's Aaron. This is Josiah. We're two of the pastors here. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, we're excited about the content that we're going to be sharing together. We don't do this very often. And so we're co-teaching this message today. But before we get to that, uh, I do got a story. I know all of us, we've been talking about stories with all the invitation culture stuff. And uh, Josiah was sharing this morning. Dave just shared. And I've got one as well. Uh, last Sunday, uh, a young lady came up to me and talked to me how she had been invited to Trace. Uh, but what was interesting is she was invited the Sunday of, like last Sunday, she was invited Sunday morning and actually accepted the invitation and came. And what I learned was there's a lady who comes here to Trace that calls Trace home and she had gone to her dentist office and got to know this young lady that was working there. I don't know if she was a receptionist or whatever and ended up getting her contact information. And then last Sunday just felt compelled to send out an invitation, like Sunday morning, like I'm just gonna invite her. And she sent the invitation and the young lady accepted it and she came. And again, I got to talk with her after service and she came up to me and she just, she was overwhelmed with emotion. And she just said, I was so moved uh, during the service. And a lot of this is brand new to her. And she goes, uh, I just felt overwhelmed with emotion and I felt like God was kind of drawing me near, but I'm, I'm not even sure what that means. And she goes, I just got a lot of questions. And I said, keep asking them, keep coming. Because I don't think you're here by accident. Guys, nothing Nothing should get in our way of extending those bold invitations because none of us know what hangs in the balance of any invitation. And when you do this long enough, you see how invitations can often lead to transformations in Jesus. So keep extending those invitations. Man, I've been loving the stories that we're hearing that are coming from that. Well, today we're kicking off a new series that we're gonna be in over the next several weeks called In This House. And Josiah and I are gonna be teaching that together. And by the way, if you're new here, we're two of the pastors here at Trace. And the big idea behind this series called In This House, it's gonna give us an opportunity to talk about some things that we would say are incredibly important to us. And honestly, we hope are incredibly important to you. And just like in your own home, we wanna create an environment here. Uh, we want this to be a space that feels safe. We want this to be a space that feels welcoming. We want this to be a space that people want to come and stay, which means there are some things that we probably need to say no to and there are some things that we need to say yes to. I can't help but think of the words of Solomon in Proverbs chapter 24. He said, a house is built by wisdom and it becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. You know what those precious riches and valuables are to us? They're people, people that you know, people that I know, people that we love, people that aren't here yet, people that haven't heard about how incredible it is that they have a heavenly father who loves them so much that he sent his one and only son. And so throughout this series, we're gonna talk about these things and how we build this house. And if I could just sum up what Solomon said, you're not going to build a strong home. You're not going to build a strong church without an intentional plan, without a divine purpose, and without a lot of preparation. And so that's going to kind of lead us into kicking off today. Today, the reason Josiah and I are co-teaching this message is because we're going to be talking about the next generation. And if you're new here, Josiah is our next generation pastor here. And I wanted to get up here and, and teach with him because I think you need to hear this from me. 
the next generation will never be an afterthought in this church. It's just not going to be. And not only will they not be an afterthought, but they're going to be one of our greatest priorities. Why? Well, I hope there's a lot of obvious answers to that. But I would suggest and even make the argument that never has there been a greater urgency in our lifetimes or maybe ever to reach a generation. Guys, you see this. Our students today are on the opposite end of an agenda, so many agendas, that are trying to convince them that Christianity is dead and all they need to do is come up with their own truth. And oftentimes the way they can come up with their own truth is just by allowing their feelings to lead them. Anybody else lived enough life to know that our feelings mislead us a lot? Yeah. Two huge lies. And so what we want to do as a church is we want to take initiative now. All of us. We want to do this now. And I will say it this strongly. If we don't, we will lose a generation. Let that settle. We will lose a generation, not to social media, not to the internet, not to Hollywood. We will lose, it because, we will lose them because of a lack of intentional parenting. Guys, we're teaching our kids that being a part of a traveling sports league is more important than consistent attendance in church. We're not equipping our kids with enough biblical truth, which is subjecting them to so many lies, again, on the other end of those agendas. We're not getting involved in our kids' education enough to see what could be misleading them and misguiding them. And then we back up and we wonder why they're walking away from the church. And we wonder, even worse yet, why, are they, why they're walking away from Jesus. Some of you may be thinking, hey, thanks for the guilt trip. Pastor, like, that's, I've been looking for one of those. I'm glad I came today. You know me. You know me. My motivation is not to put a guilt trip on anyone, but as the lead pastor of this church and as your pastor, one of my greatest priorities is to define reality for us and also ch challenge your spiritual complacency. Guys, all we have is a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. And all I'm trying to tell us today is that we can do better. We must do better. I'm not sure there has ever been a generation that has experienced more rapid change away from the purposes of God than this one. And as those obstacles increase, so should our involvement and our intentionality. One option would be to throw open our hands or throw up our hands, right? That's one option. One option is to say, like, can we even make a difference at this point? Like, is there, like, could my little bit, of, little bit of involvement, could it actually help? Because it just seems hopeless. To which I would answer, not with my God. <laughs> not with my God who says, he that is in you that is greater than he that is in the world. Not with my God who says, not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. Not to my God that says the same power that brought Jesus up from the grave exists within us. Not with my God who says that we are more than conquerors. We're not defeated. Guys, we are in a divine appointment to storm the gates of hell together and remind the devil that he's the only one that's defeated. Can I get an amen this morning? Come on. Amen. I wanna share something uh, with you that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but I want to do so from the message paraphrase because I just really like the way that he says it in this way. He says, even though 
I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose living, immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, the next generation, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life, which means I don't have to start doing TikTok videos, right? I kept my bearings in Christ but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those that I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, because of the gospel. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And I would tell you as the pastor of this church and as a parent to four and specifically as a parent to two students in our student ministry, I don't wanna just talk about this. I wanna be in on it. And there's too much at stake not to be. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Aaron. And I'm just so grateful to have a senior pastor who cares this much about the next generation. Um, but to be honest, today's conversation, it hits pretty close to home for me because uh, when we keep saying the next generation, uh, that's my generation, uh, that I'm considered the oldest of Generation Z. And so that's been fun for me to study, but also kind of been a sobering week to look at all the problems my generation, including myself, ha uh, that we have. And none of these things are, are that new. Um, we're dealing with many of the same problems that previous generations did. Sometimes they look a little bit different, but I think Solomon was right when he said this. He said, history merely repeats itself. Uh, it has all been done before, nothing under the sun is truly new. That while the context has changed, while uh, the problems have maybe grown a little bit more complex, students are still asking the same questions. Uh, they're still asking questions about identity, belonging, and purpose. That when I look at our generation, and I know I'm a little bit biased, but when I look at our generation, what I see is almost unlimited potential. But the, the problem is most of us find it hard to find purpose in our life. That most of us are lacking and purpose, that out of those big three questions of identity, belonging, and purpose, I would tell you my generation struggles the most with the third one, but that is new, that I would say that was a result uh, of the pandemic. But never before have I seen a generation so desperate to find purpose in their life, yet so unable to find that. And there's many things that point to this. Uh, you can look at the fact that more and more people are taking non-traditional routes in education. You can look at college enrollment statistics and the fact that they're declining year uh, over year, that these are just two things that point to the fact that we're struggling to find purpose in our life. But uh, not only that, but with all the ways to make money these days, like why wouldn't you go play video games for a living? Why wouldn't you be a professional TikTok dancer? Um, like for me, that's easy. Uh, I can't dance at all. Uh, I'm rhythmically challenged. I tell people it's against my religion uh, to dance, but that's my excuse that I use. But my point is this, that without careers to fill the purpose void, uh, Generation Z is finding it harder and harder to find real and lasting purpose in their lives. But hear me say this, it's not for a lack of trying. That while yes, the purpose is lacking in Generation Z's lives, uh, the drive is not, that the drive is there, that Generation Z actually has a much higher learning agility than previous generations. This means that they learn a lot, a lot quicker uh, than previous generations, not to mention they have a pretty high financial IQ for their age. And so what this means is they keep inventing ways uh, to spend their time in order to make more money and they have the drive to do that. Uh, for instance, right now in our student ministry, there's a high school boy 
uh, that not only like attends and excels in the classes that he's in, but he's also on several soccer teams. He plays football, but not only that, uh, he also runs several of his own businesses. And I'm not just talking like lemonade stands on the street corner on the weekend. Like he buys and refinishes and resells uh, custom furniture. He does custom orders on occasion. He does landscaping for companies like Remax. He does it for private in individuals and the general public. He renovates houses. He walks dogs all while maintaining a social life and all while maintaining good relationships with his family and with his girlfriend. Like, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I was in high school, I was trying to figure out how like a locker combination worked. Um, but these kids, like they, they are juggling all sorts of different things all at once that make no mistake, the drive is there. But even though that's true, I'll still go back to my previous statement, almost unlimited potential. But the problem is they still are lacking in purpose because with a higher rate of learning that they have with a more complex world that they're growing up in also comes the fact that my generation, Generation Z has a much lower emotional intelligence than previous generations. That we continue to struggle in social environments because while I get a front row seat to the opportunities the next generation has, I also get a front row seat to the obstacles that they have that I listen as our students, they confess to me drug addictions, that I watch them constantly seeking the approval of others on social media. I sit back and I watch as they have panic attacks from exuberant amounts of anxiety, that I struggle with the words to say after suicide attempts. I struggle with the words to say after they relapse into self-harm. I watch hearts break on a weekly basis, that I hear horror stories that I witness hurts, habits, and hangups of all shapes and sizes. I work with parents in shock of what their kids are capable of. But I also work with parents or with students who are unwilling to admit that the way that their family and their loved ones have treated them would be considered abuse. That I work with kids and students that live in a world with more consistent predators, more complex problems, and more compliant behavior than any other generation before them. And what I'm telling you this morning is that the urgency is great, but so is the opportunity. But I'm not a parent, but one of the things that I see parents uh, doing, one of the most consistent mistakes that I see parents making is we watch parents fall into the not my kid mentality. What do I mean by that? That all those problems I just listed, like that's a bummer for those kids, but my kid doesn't struggle with that. Like they're above that. And what you've just done is you just said, not my kid. And even though all of that stuff has happened in our context here at Trace, and many of them are your kid, let me show you what it looks like on a national level. Let me show you statistically what it looks like here in the United States. Because here in the United States for ages 12 to 18, here are the stats. 2.5 kids out of 10 are suicidal. Three out of 10 kids vaped in the last month. Three out of 10 kids struggle with an anxiety depression disorder. Four out of 10 kids are sexually active. Five out of 10 kids uh, have tried or smoke weed consistently. And I would tell you that one's actually a lot higher here in Colorado. Seven out of 10 kids have looked at porn. And if that doesn't do it for you, 10 out of 10 of your kids are sinners, all right? That ignorance is bliss, but listen, bliss keeps you blind. This is the reality. And in, uh, in Proverbs, it, he talks about what it means to be blind. He says this, he says, a wise person foresees danger and takes precaution. But, but the simpleton, the foolish person, they go blindly on and suffer the consequences. 
that one of our biggest jobs as leaders in this church is to define reality. That's the reality. That if it's not your kid, truly it is your kid's best friend. That here is the bottom line. My generation is struggling. That we are rich with problems and basically broke on purpose. That the urgency has never been greater, but neither has the opportunity. But like I said, as this, this is what it looks like for me in my context as a student pastor, even though that's what it looks like on a national level, as I said, I'm not a parent that I don't go home to teenagers every single night, that there's no teenagers that live in my home, even though my wife would tell you like I have the maturity level of one. But I say all of that to say this, like Aaron, I'd love to hear from you, man, how have you seen this in your own home? Like, what has this been like for you navigating this not my kid mentality? Uh, first, can I just say this, anybody else thankful that this guy's our student pastor here, Trace? <laughs> Yeah, as I hear you talk about some of those things, specifically one of the things that keeps standing out is this sentiment of not, not my kid. And uh, I can't help but think of what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, where he says, by the grace that's been given to me, let me say this to you, uh, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Parents, I don't think it would be wise for any of us to ever utter the words or even think the words, not my kid. And if I'm naive about that, or if you're naive about that, I think it's gonna keep us from being as intentional as in, and as involved as we need to be. I'm under no delusions, even as a pastor, that my kids can't be sucked into the same type of traps and temptations as the next. Let me give you, let me give you one example where if we uh, are too naive, we're gonna unfortunately allow some, some poison to come in the direction of our kids' lives. For all the information, well, let me give you the example first. I'll give you the example. The example would be uh, when we give our kids unfiltered access to the internet or social media, okay? If you were to look at all the content that exists on the internet, all of it, edited it all up, you would learn that 25% of all of it is pornographic in nature. 25% of all of it. And so... Think of it this way, if 25% of all of it is pornographic in nature and we give our kids unfiltered access to the internet and social media, it's like putting four magazines on your coffee table at home. Four magazines at home and if 25% of all the content is pornographic, then one of those magazines would just happen to be pornographic in nature and then just hoping that your kid doesn't pick that one up. Guys, we can't be naive about this. Uh, there's too much at stake. And as a parent pleading with other parents um, in the room, maybe even grandparents, I wanna encourage you to stay involved because, and I, and I said the word that I said just a few moments ago on purpose, it's, it's poison. If we're not careful, our lack of intentionality will allow poison to come into our kids' lives. And guys, I get it. Um, it's hard. Emily and I would be the first to admit as we're raising four kids that parenting can be exhausting. I would even tell you that if you're not exhausted as a parent, you're probably doing it wrong. It's exhausting. And for those of you that maybe feel that way today, can I just speak to you for a moment? Because I've talked to you. You've been in my office. Some of you are exhausted. Some of you have a kid that 
has made some poor choices that has led them away from where you wish they would be, maybe have started to challenge whether or not they even wanted to follow Jesus or not. You've got a kid that's stuck in some kind of situation and you feel like there's nothing you can do to help get them out of that and you're just exhausted. I want you to know that I know you're here and I wanna encourage you to stay in the fight. (laughs) And if this helps just even one person, can I remind you that your pastor was a broken mess in high school. I got my first DUI when I was 16 years old. I was a broken mess, but through a lot of other people's prayer and through God kind of meeting me in some moments, some pivotal moments to help open my eyes to see that that's not what he had for me. He had something so much better for me. Here I am today, still a broken mess, but following Jesus and knowing that he's got something better. So for those of you in this room that maybe are about ready to throw in the towel, can I encourage you to stay in the fight? Stay in the fight. Keep praying, keep pursuing, keep asking God for help. But can I also encourage you, stop doing it alone. Barna, who is a research institute that does a lot of research for inside the church and what happens inside the church, uh, did a survey and showed that students, specifically high school students that are connected to five or more adults are actually a lot more emotionally and mentally stable, but they're also a lot more, um, it's the, the chances of them sticking with their faith after they leave the home goes way up, which puts me in this position right now telling you, I think one of the best things that you can do as a parent is to get them involved in our student ministry, like truly to stop doing it alone because one of this guy's highest priorities is to get your students connected to other adults because we know we increase their chance of sticking with their faith and being more emotionally and healthy, more emotionally and mentally stable as they pursue and navigate through the obstacles that are increasing, seem like every day in their life. And so I would tell you this, like don't minimize that little thing uh, that they want so bad called a phone. It's like, okay, you want a phone? You gotta go to student ministry, right? And if they don't go to student ministry, take that phone away. They want something big, some financial help and a certain thing that they're wanting to pray. Uh, great, yep, make sure, yeah, you gotta go to student ministry. If they want to be fed at night, make sure Amen. they go to student ministry. Like use everything that you can. I'm, I'm serious, you, we're their parents. We are their parents. You don't have to give them a phone. And you can take that phone away anytime you want. If you don't want to do it, tell me. I'll take it from them. You're not, you're not, your first priority is not to be their buddy. And we know this, right? doesn't mean you can't. I, I want to be friends with all of my kids. But I'm going to lay it down when I need to. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because I love them. I want to give them the best chance possible to stick with their faith, to stick with Jesus. Even when they leave our home, I went way off my notes. I don't even know where I'm at now. If Keep we, going. Yeah, if you, <laughs> guys, if you overlook, if we overlook the urgency in this, we're gonna miss our opportunity. We overlook the urgency in this, we're gonna miss our opportunity. Maybe some of you are in here right now and potentially dismissing yourself from the conversation a little bit because it's like you're you know, 20-somethings, like, I don't got any students, I don't got any kids. Or maybe you're even an empty nester and it's like, yep, I already passed that time. Let me talk to you for a moment. 20 plus years ago, before ministry was ever on my radar, never thought I was gonna go into full-time ministry. But God was doing some things in my life and so I got involved in my local church and started to become a student leader. Started meeting with six boys, six or seven boys 
um, every single week, every Wednesday, and they drove me crazy. They drove me crazy, but I stuck with them for four years, loving them to the best of my ability. A few months ago, one of those boys, this is 20 plus years ago, a few months ago, one of those boys reached out to me because unfortunately his brother took his own life. And the first person he thought to reach out to was me, his student leader from 20 years ago. And so can I encourage all the 20 somethings in the room or maybe even the empty nesters, don't, don't minimize the impact that you can make by being one of those adults that is connecting with one of our students to remind them God's got something better because you and I see this, you see it, they're trying everything. Our, our, this next generation seems to be trying everything else, looking for purpose, and they keep coming up broke. And it's our job to point them to a better way. Yeah, guys, Aaron's absolutely right. Uh, I see this every single week. Uh, I watch people looking for a solution to the problems that they have. Uh, watch kids looking for the answers to the loneliness they feel, students looking for solutions to the depression they're experiencing, people looking for answers to some of life's biggest questions, like who am I, where do I belong, what is my purpose? And I watch as they latch on to whatever answer will satisfy them in the moment. And more times than not, it has nothing to do with which answer is more correct as much as it has to do with which answer is more convenient. And what I've learned about convenient answers is that they, they hardly ever last. Uh, that I'm telling you this morning that the answer to your problems, like it's not doing the latest yoga trends on social media, okay? It's not, uh, it's not having a more disciplined lifestyle all the time. It's not uh, getting more clout on social media or just making uh, your body look different. No, the answers to your problems that you're experiencing in life's biggest questions is Jesus, like just Jesus. And the next generation, they desperately need to know this, that Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter two. He said, God saved you by his grace when you believed, that that belief, it's in Jesus. And you don't get to take credit for this. It's a gift from God. That salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And somebody here this morning, they need to hear this for we are God's masterpiece that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know what that verse tells me? That if you have a pulse, then you have a purpose. That you are a child of God that belongs in the family of God whose purpose is to serve in the kingdom of God using whatever he's given you. Nothing more, nothing less. And for a generation that is broke on purpose, guys, that is the message they need to hear. But for far too many churches and far too many cities, my generation is becoming a forgotten one. That on this day, 40% of Generation Z would check the box with the non-religious category. And that number only continues to grow. But perhaps an even more worrisome statistic for me is that only 25% of the students that would check the Christian box, only 25% of them think that their local student ministry is important or effective. You know what that tells me? Student ministries around the nation are failing. That whether it's because we failed to adapt to the culture around us as a church, or for most churches, the student ministry exists autonomously or separated uh, from the rest of the church, the urgency has never been greater. That in our student ministry uh, right now, uh, we have students who are desperate to find purpose. But not only that, I'll tell you this, that I've worked with students all across the nation 
Worked with students in Texas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Indiana, all throughout the Midwest. And what I would tell you is that our students here in Colorado Springs have it much harder than they do. Uh, that when I was growing up in Texas, the question I was getting asked was, what church do you go to? Here the question is, why do you go to church? Like, do you hear the antagonism from the get-go? Uh, there's other things that, that play into this. The fact that Colorado's a far more progressive state. The fact that uh, there's so much social pressure, not only, from, um, not only from their peers, but also from like authorities figures in their life that are pressuring these agendas on them. Not to mention that Colorado Springs has one of the highest suicide rates in the nation. These are just three of the many reasons uh, why it's harder for students to have and maintain a faith here in Colorado Springs. But we share this with you not to be used as an excuse, but instead to once again increase the urgency that here at Trace Church, we trust the trends. And the trends tell us that the kids and students that have five adult connections in their life are more emotionally stable, have longer lasting faith, and are going to be more successful down the road. Like parents, let's just get practical for a second. Imagine for a second that you had five adults in your life that you knew and trusted that were asking your kids questions like this. Hey, how did your game go this weekend? Hey, I know you were nervous about that test. How did that end up going for you? Hey, you seem a little bit off. Do you wanna talk about it? What are you excited about right now? What are you scared about right now? Or something as simple as saying, hey, I just wanted to text you this morning and let you know I think you're awesome. Can you imagine what that would do for your kid's confidence? Can you imagine what that would do for their pursuit of Jesus? And so that being said, I wanna tell you this morning, like that is what our kids and student ministry is all about here at Trace. While all around the country, we are seeing churches and student ministries that have all but given up on the next generation, that will not happen here. That if you are a parent in this room and you're looking to be more intentional with your kids, perhaps the best next step that you can take is make sure they're a part of our ministries to the next generation here at Trace. That across the, the, the building every single Sunday, like we're not just babysitting your kids over there so that you can have some alone time with God. That we're equipping them with truth and grace so that they can be as prepared as possible to grow up in this world that they are growing up in. But not only that, our ministry to the next generation is designed around helping students and kids build incredible relationships with trusted adults. That our philosophy of ministry is threefold. That it goes relationship, rhythm, reason. Relationship, rhythm, reason. That first we build incredible relationships with kids and students. But then the second thing we do is we invite them into rhythms of what it looks like to follow Jesus. But then finally, we share with them the reasons of not only what they should believe, but why they should believe the things that we do so that they can be as prepared as possible to answer some of life's biggest questions. Guys, we've said it like a million times this morning, but I'll say it again. If we overlook the urgency, then we are going to overlook the opportunity we have. And so today to close, I just wanna give you three things that we can do to make sure we don't overlook this opportunity to invest in the next generation. And so the first one is this, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. That we have to open our eyes and look around at the world our students and kids are growing up in. That once again, ignorance is, is bliss, but bliss keeps us blind. And if we keep our heads in, in the sand, guys, we are going to lose the next generation. And we are not okay with that here at Trace that we wanna do everything we can to make sure that they are being invested in so that we don't miss an opportunity. That would be the first thing is we gotta wake up. Second thing we gotta do is we gotta show up. We gotta show up. 
And this is more so for the students in the room that if you are a student, if you have a student, if you know somebody that has a student, we wanna invite them to show up specifically this coming Wednesday on August 17th, that we're gonna be kicking off our student ministry here at Trace and we could not be more excited. That starting in just a couple of days on Wednesday nights, we're gonna be inviting as many students in Colorado Springs that wanna come and be a part of this to come and participate in a student worship service uh, to do all the things we've been talking about today that we're gonna have an entire service designed and dedicated to helping remove obstacles so our students can get to Jesus. That the leadership of Trace, they've given us the best space, namely this room. They've given us the best night of the week, that's Wednesday nights, and they've given us some of the best leaders to make sure that we can be as intentional as possible to invest in the next generation. That Paige, who, who leads worship for us on Sunday mornings, who crushes it most weekends, she's gonna be doing the same thing for us on Wednesday nights. Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, I'm gonna be teaching most Wednesday nights. But also we have a unique curriculum designed to help students ask the questions that they have and think critically about their faith so that they can have as strong a faith as possible. That our goal is to remove obstacles and sadly one of the biggest obstacles that students have is that they think church is boring. And as somebody who's followed Jesus for a very long time, I hate that. Like if I do anything on this planet, that is one thing I wanna make sure that I change, that I want to make sure they know that we have one of the best reasons in the world to have joy. Yet for far too many Christians, we're viewed as like stoic and boring. And so I hate that. And so this Wednesday, we're gonna be kicking off the, the year right. We're gonna be having a massive color war here uh, for any student, middle school or high school that wants to attend. We're gonna be breaking into teams, competing. There will be a winner because we don't give out participation trophies at this church, amen, right? But if you are a student, if you have a student, if you know somebody that has a student, we want to invite you to show up. And so first, we gotta wake up. Second, we gotta show up. But the third thing we gotta do is for the adults in the room, we gotta step up. We gotta step up. That whoever you are, wherever you're at in life, we have an opportunity to step up and invest in the next generation. That in this house, guys, we invest in the next generation. And there's several different ways you can do that. Today, I just wanna talk about three. Now, the first way that you can invest in the next generation is just help us create a culture here where students feel welcome. One thing I thank God for almost every single week is that we don't have a bunch of curmudgeons in this church who are just like, oh, those, those teenagers, they're just running around breaking stuff and doing drugs. Like, we don't have that, and I'm grateful for that. But don't be like that. Instead, go introduce yourself to a student here. Go introduce yourself to a kid. Ask what their name is. Ask what they're passionate about. Learn their thing. Invest in who they are. Help us create a culture here where when students walk through those doors, they know this is a place where I feel welcome. This is a place where I can belong, that in this house, these people, they invest in the next generation. So that would be the first thing, help us create a culture. The second thing I would do, and probably the easiest thing uh, in terms of next steps would be to serve on a team. Like go join our kids team, go join our student team, go talk to the next steps people about what it looks like to invest in the next generation here at Trace that I promise you that we are incredibly strategic about how we do that and we wanna partner with you however we can to invest in the next generation. So that would be the second thing, serve on the team. But the last thing is this, that maybe you can't give your time, but maybe you can't give your money. That every single dollar you give to this church, I promise you it makes a difference in investing in the next generation. That one of my favorite moments this summer was there's a couple in our church here um, that they couldn't, 
you know, they couldn't serve in our student ministry. They couldn't send or go to camp with us. And so instead what they did is they wrote a check for over $500 to send uh, a couple kids to camp with us. And one of my favorite moments this summer was I got to come back and I saw them that Sunday morning and I got to go up to them and say, thank you so much for investing in the next generation how you could. Because today we get to watch the two kids you sent to camp get baptized and give their life to Jesus. That guys, yeah, that they understood. They wanted to invest in the next generation how they could. And that's what we're asking of you guys today. So maybe you help us create a culture. Maybe you serve on a team. Maybe you give financially. But once again, the urgency is there and we wanna make sure we're taking advantage of the opportunity. And so the three ways to do that. First, we gotta wake up. Then we gotta show up. And finally, we gotta step up. Well, I shared this verse last week, but I wanna share it again because I think Paul does a great job of increasing the urgency that we have to invest in the next generation. And so I'm gonna read this out of Romans 10, but I'm gonna change the word uh, they for the next generation. It says this, but how can the next generation call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can the next generation believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can the next generation hear about him unless someone, everybody say someone, someone tells them. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Guys, that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Guys, how can they hear about him unless someone goes and tells them? You could be that someone. And that's how Paul puts it. But I also like how this great theologian puts it. And I'm gonna close with this. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of fond of this theologian. She says this, that in 50 years, I'm either gonna be dead or irrelevant. All I get to leave behind is what I choose to invest in the next generation. All I get to leave behind is what I choose to invest in the next generation. That's from my wife. And so I'm gonna close with that. And I just wanna invite you once again, in this house, we invest in the next generation. Let's pray. God, thank you for a church that cares about the future. And God, I pray that my passion comes through in this. I pray that this is an opportunity for people to see you in a very real way. But God, we don't wanna forget the next generation, that the urgency is too great, but so is the opportunity. And so help us be the kind of people, help us be the kind of church that invests in the next generation. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.